Hello there, fellow warriors. I'm so glad to be with you today and talking to you about beasts. Yes, those nasty little culprits that keep us from joy and happiness and peace and getting to where we want to be, our legacy, becoming all that we can be in this lifetime. These are the things that really get us down. And, you know, for me, the reason I really started to refer to these types of things as beasts, for me, it all began when my daughter Jamie was in her addiction. And it was just so bizarre because she was acting like somebody I didn't even know. And it was as if an entity had taken over her body. There had to be something else living inside of her because she would never say those kind of things or do those kind of things or even have that look in her eye. It was just, it didn't make any sense. And I, I thought one day, man, addiction is a beast. And then I really began to realize that so are so many other things, not just addiction. And so you'll hear me refer to beasts a lot because... I think what it does also is it helps us to disconnect a little bit, even though it it is going on inside of us. It disconnects from who we are. And that is something that I used to tell Jamie all the time is that I know who you are underneath the weight of your beast. Your beast is not who you are. It's what you're living with, but it's not who you are. And I think that's important because we see this so often, and, and you can probably relate to this. Something big happens in our lives, or it's something we've been carrying around since childhood, and it becomes us. That label we put on ourselves, we become identified with it. Somebody with a serious illness, suddenly that becomes them. And while all of these things are a part of our lives, and we don't want to deny them and pretend they're not happening, we also want to make sure that we always remember that we're more. We are more than whatever beast has a hold of us. You know, and these beasts, they come in all shapes and sizes. And some, they they come to us like with me as a result of addiction. Could be addiction to anything. But the addiction in, in my family with my daughter, it could be abuse or abandonment, an accident or illness, loss, perfectionism, or something else. And, and they result in in us feeling just so down and defeated. You know, it's that person, the attitude, the circumstance that leaves you feeling lost and frustrated, angry and hopeless and helpless. Or perhaps you can relate to this. I lived this way for 13 years, paralyzing fear. And I'm going to talk to you in the next podcast about courage, even though I talked to you about courage a lot, but I'm going to kind of, I think it's a good time for me to talk about it again in, you know, in one podcast, really get into courage, because that is probably the number one thing, fear that keeps us down. And paralyzing fear is when you literally feel like you're paralyzed. You can't make a decision. You can't move forward. You're too scared. So these beasts that we have inside of us, they will remind us of the past continuously. They keep us from living in the present. So we're not at peace. We're not mindful. And of course, fearful of the future. And they will do whatever it takes to keep us living 
in these various states, or regrettably in all of them. Many, many things are beasts, and everyone is living with one. Okay, most of them have multiple heads, though. So it's not as if we just have one thing, I wish. So I'm going to talk to you about where they come from, too. And this is my perspective. It's how I feel about it. If you don't have the same spiritual beliefs as I do, I think you could probably still relate to the concept. So you could modify the wording or, you know, fit it to to work with whatever spiritual beliefs you have or don't have. Uh, but I can only come at it from my beliefs. But so let's start with this. Beasts are not from God. They're not good. They're not positive. They keep us down. I believe they come from Satan, but I don't like to give him credit by ever even using his name. So I call him the big beast. And if, if there were a school of beasts, you can bet your booties that he is the headmaster. And so he's got all these little minions running around and they attach themselves to us. They get into our lives. They get into our heads. They get into our hearts. They get into our soul. And they really mess us up. I've also discovered that these beasts only have a few tricks up their sleeves, but they're carefully chosen for each of us. So, you know, what we value most will be threatened. Our gifts and talents become questioned. Have you ever experienced that? Where you question your gifts and talents? We're constantly reminded of our perceived failures and shortcomings. And the more we try to accomplish something, the harder our beasts work to derail us from happiness, hope, healing, and our purpose. They are tough. They are tough. Beasts are tough, but they can be taken down. I like to say beasts are tough, but God is tougher. So mine, okay, when I really started to realize this whole beast thing, it was as if mine, now this is obviously kind of just a metaphorical story here, but I think you might be able to relate no matter how big or small your beast is. In fact, let me stop right here and mention something. Please be careful not to compare your beast with somebody else's because, I mean, maybe you'll need to do that because you've really blown yours out of proportion and it can help you to gain perspective. So in that way, I guess that's fine. But my caution really is that if you look at somebody else's beast and it just seems huge, it's so much bigger than what you're going through, then pretty soon you're feeling guilty and, oh my gosh, I guess I don't have any problems. Okay, like I said, that's good for perspective, but don't allow it to diminish your beast because it's real to you. And and while I don't want you to magnify it and make it bigger, I want you to start overcoming and becoming stronger. You don't have to compare to somebody else's and think, oh, well, theirs is big, so I, I should just forget mine. And then the other way around too. Sometimes we have big things going on and we look at other people and think, really? Seriously? I mean, I've done that many times. When my daughter was shot the first time when she was 18 and she's going off the deep end and she's the smartest person I've ever known and the whole thing is just all hell had broken loose. And then somebody would tell me, oh, this is just so terrible. You know, my daughter's going off to college and I don't know how I'm going to handle it. And I'm thinking, your daughter's going off to college? Mine is missing somewhere putting needles in her body. Seriously? That's what's got you down? So you see, I did that and then I would think, what is wrong with you? But that was real for that person. So anyway, I just wanted to side note on that to be to caution you about that. 
So this is back to that picture I have. So it's like mine had me down on the mat and on, on my back, on the mat. And you have to picture what whatever your beast looks like. And I've actually had a drawing made of a two-headed beast that kind of depicted uh, the nastiness of it. But then I put a heart over the, over it because I want to make sure to always remember that I can use my heart. I can overcome. He doesn't get to take control of my heart like he did for years. Okay, so I'm down on the mat, you know, and he's he's got his claws around my throat and he's whispering in my ear, sometimes whispering gently, really throwing me off track. Other times just screaming in my face. What a terrible mother I was. He convinced me that my best days were behind me. I mean, literally, I used to think, wow, you know, all the good memories and the times where I felt successful and confident and peaceful and life was good. Well, that was history. I guess maybe you just get a chunk of time like that and then, you know, use it up. Sorry, it's over. That's what I began to believe that I didn't have a purpose. I mean, who's going to listen to me? What do I have to offer? I mean, I'd let everybody down, including God. So why would God open up any doors and allow me to do anything wonderful, anything meaningful? I mean, this beast assured me basically that my life had become an epic failure. And, you know, he, he only made the suggestions. He doesn't get to control me. He made the suggestions, but here's what I did. I came into full agreement with my beast. And that's what you're probably doing too. I was spiraling into darkness until that day. You've heard me talk about it until that day. I'm standing in my kitchen. And, and here's the thing. I had heard this in my head a million times. I had thought this so many times, but I didn't dare say it. What kind of a person would I be if I said that? How would it make my husband feel? Well, it wasn't as if I planned it that day. It just came blurting out. I told him, I don't want to be here anymore. It's too hard. And this was before Jamie died. This is before we were facing a murder trial. This is before all of this. I couldn't save her. I couldn't stop what was happening. The disappointment I felt was overwhelming. I think maybe you can probably relate to this in some area of your life, but especially if you're a parent, I had so much promise for my daughter and especially this girl because her talent was ridiculous. Her abilities were amazing. I'd never known anybody that got so jam-packed with so much and then it all just got washed away and tossed away and and I couldn't find her and I couldn't stop it. And it, it was just such a nightmare that I was, I was at that point where I didn't care about myself anymore. I was literally losing myself. And so I said to him, I don't want to be here anymore. It's just too hard. I mean, wow, it almost makes me cry to this day to imagine how that must have made Rich feel because the person he loved most in this world felt like she didn't want to be here anymore and there was nothing he could do to help me. I mean, what was he supposed to do? He'd love to eradicate my pain, but my pain was coming from my daughter. I mean, mainly. I had, we, By the way, my friends, we had a lot going on at the same time. So there was a multitude of things. But that, of course, was the biggie. And, um, But I, I want to tell you, I want to give you some hope here, if that's you. If you're feeling like, man, this beast has me down and, and I'm living with shame and guilt and, you know, all of these terrible things. That we, the ways that we end up feeling devalued, we end up feeling as if we don't have any self-worth left. Our confidence is shattered. 
But sometimes these low points, these low points can be the most important. The pivotal moment where everything changes for you. Now, I'm not going to say that it'll change overnight, but it's that moment where you make that decision that you're not going to do this anymore, that you're going to stand up and fight. And you're going to stop agreeing with your beasts and you're going to start agreeing with God. You are going to start fighting. Refuse to stay down on the mat under the weight of your beast. You have to reject the notion that you're not worthy of making a difference in this world because you are. And you must. Cover your ears when he tries to convince you that that your value is in the past. Ignore his attempts to send you into misery. And laugh. I mean laugh in his face when he suggests that you are not courageous. Because you are. All it takes is a tiny bit of courage, a tiny bit of hope, a shred of self-confidence. I'm telling you, my friend, that's all I had left. That's all I had left when I made that decision to stand up and fight. And I had no idea where I was going or how in the world I was going to get there. I just knew I couldn't live like that anymore. It wasn't fair. It's not how I wanted to feel anymore, but it also wasn't fair to my family. And for me, because I had gotten to such a low point and didn't really care about myself that much anymore, I initially stood up to fight for my son, Sean, because I thought how unfair it was for him to be watching his his sister self-destruct. And then I was right behind her. I mean, the more her life spun out of control, the more mine spiraled into darkness. And was that fair for him to see? He got the double whammy. I didn't want to do that to him. And so initially, that's why I stood up to fight. I really used him as my reason. I mean, I have a lot more reasons now, and I, and I stand up for myself and all sorts of things. But, but initially, I had to cling to something. And, and that's all you need to do too. find something, someone to cling to. And I'm not talking about somebody that you're enabling or somebody that you're trying to change like I was trying to change Jamie. And by the way, it wound up that I was standing for her too. Because even though her story didn't end well, I found out that it was making a difference. And who knows if somebody hadn't taken her life, if that really could have been the difference maker. So You don't have control over other people's lives. You just got to do your best in this one, the one you get. You only get one. That's it. And you can't afford to spend it, the rest of it, however long it's going to be. It's too valuable for you to spend it down on the mat with that nasty, disgusting beast on top of you, spewing lies in your face. The best way to do this, the best way to overcome fear is to face it. The best way to overcome this beast, to get that beast down on the mat where he belongs is to stand up to him. He's a bully and that's what you have to do with a bully. You need to be standing over your beast with your foot on his throat. Wouldn't that be a nice change? The beast is down on the mat and you're standing over him. He's never going to go away. All these heads, all these issues, whatever it is, will keep coming at you. Your job is to become stronger and more courageous. So they're diminished. Yeah, they they come every now and then. I always like to say it like this. 
when I really got strong, it's as if my beast would knock on my door, you know, and he's pretty sly. So he'd knock on my door and I'd look out and go, oh, that looks like a nice, friendly person. Let me open the door, you know, and then I'd open up the door and boom, in comes the foot in the door. And all of a sudden I, I recognize him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's my beast. I'm slamming that door right on his foot, not letting him in. But it's a process. I mean, initially, the way I described it was when I was down on the mat and he's screaming in my face and and I would think, I've got to get up, you know, and I'd try to get up. I would try. And he would just be in my face. And I was so weak and discouraged that I'd fall back down to the mat. And then I would get so frustrated and I've got to do something about this. And I would finally get up enough strength to get to one knee only to have him come back in and slam me back down. But I kept fighting. I kept finding that tiny, tiny bit of confidence, that little shred of hope. And finally, I'd get to my knees, you know, and I'd think, okay, I'm getting somewhere. Okay, I'm overcoming. And he would come and remind me, you can't even save your own daughter. What is wrong with you? What kind of a mother would do this? What a loser. And he didn't even have to slam me back to the mat. I'd just fall down. But it just kept going like that. And eventually I got to one knee and I got to both knees and then I got to one foot and back down I went. But then I did it again and now I was on both feet, standing very wobbly though. And he'd knock me down again and I would just do it again and get back up. And then eventually it's like we were sparring, right? He'd throw a jab at me and I'd throw two back. I don't know how all this thing's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to really feel like... Like the beast is completely a distant memory. It's close right now for me. But I know. I know where the beast comes from. So I know he's never going away. But I do know that with God on my side and with using my resources, with using my nine weapons of hope, I know I can keep standing through anything. I proved I could keep standing when my daughter was murdered. When I got that, that most awful knock on the door you could ever imagine. I was told my daughter died by herself, laying in a pool of blood. I mean, it, that could have taken me out of the game. Forget out of the ring. Could have taken me out of the game altogether, out of the fight. But it didn't because I have these nine things. These nine weapons of hope are powerful, and I use them all the time. And of course, God's laced throughout those nine weapons of hope. Be strong and courageous. You are. You have it. You've got this. It's time for you to stand up and fight. And and I hope that this has helped you to kind of go, okay, well, everybody's got beasts. Because sometimes we sit back and we go, wow, I've got this big thing. How embarrassing. I'm so ashamed of it. And what would other people think? And no one's dealing with what I'm, what I'm dealing with. And it can be challenging. It can be scary. But you're not alone. You've got God. If you don't believe in God... You've got other people standing with you. I want you to know that I'm standing with you. Wherever you are in the world, whatever beast you're dealing with, I'm standing right there with you. And I want you to always remember that your story matters. It matters so much to this world that you don't allow your piece of the puzzle to go missing. Your story is valuable. That's why you've got to stand up and overcome. This is why it's time to take down your beasts because your story matters. 
So live it courageously. Mm -hmm.